Hello and welcome to the Home Resistance Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got my partner in crime, Mr. Rohan Karamandi. Hello. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. How's it going? Yeah, good. How about you, mate? Good. 2022.5, the May release. Uh, Rohan, I think, I think I say this. I think I said this for all the releases this year. Probably one of my favorite releases so far. But this one, and I actually got quite um, a few new features in here that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. But before we do, I think it's only fair. Uh, I think it's what May. So it's been pretty good, but. All right, Cloud Strikes again. Here we go. This That's time right. it's Insteon. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard that in so long. <laughs> I know, I know. This It feels like this one's been kind of beaten to death a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but, you know, it is, um, it's a problem, yeah. right? So Insteon yeah. kind of, for, for, you know, if you haven't heard, Insteon basically just pulled their shutters and told everyone, hey, guess what? We've pulled our shutters, but they told everyone oh, after the fact... They didn't even tell anyone. They just sort of yeah. disappeared for a while, right? They just disappeared. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like, there's a few news outlets that were like, hey, by the way, uh, we think it's Dion's dead, but we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we haven't quite figured that out yet, but uh, everything seems to stop working and so on and so forth. And then a couple of days later, you look on Insteon's website and uh, I forget the parent company's name, Smart Labs or something like that. Something like that, uh, yeah. Or... Yeah, and they were basically like, hey, yeah, you know, due to some financial difficulties and so on and so forth, we've had to, you know, pull our shutters, which which is unfortunate. We I, I do feel bad for the staff and, and uh, you know, all the users that uh, that do use it. But uh, I think, you know, could it have been played a little better? Maybe. Um, but, but the nice thing is we found that, you know, Insteon is still locally controlled. So if you haven't, uh, th- th- there's a few ifs here, but there there is some sort of a perfect scenario where you can still leverage Home Assistant to use Insteon because it is still local. If you've got the hardware though, and the hardware might be a bit hard to find. Correct, correct, right? And uh, and if you don't, then you might be out of luck. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, we... We we spent a whole episode of the All Things Smart Home Show. You can go watch it on YouTube if you're interested on just talking Insteon and cloud services and stuff. So we won't harp on it too much here if we're repeating ourselves. Um, but I think the in terms of Home Assistant, what's important to know is that the Home Assistant devs and the team have uh, pulled up their socks uh, for this release. Uh, currently in the beta, I think it landed uh, just this morning for us in the beta land. They've put in the Insteon control panel. Home Assistant has a blog post uh, specifically targeted to yeah. Insteon users. Um, if you are lucky enough to have a local modem or PLM controller, whatever they call it, um, if you've got one of those, you can use it with Home Assistant. And there is now an interface in Home Assistant to uh, pair, control, and you know manage your Insteon network all from within the Home Assistant network. Now, it is in the beta. Hopefully, uh, it passes the beta and it got, does get into the 2022.5 release. Yep. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it will, but, yeah, just in case it doesn't, uh, you know, it's definitely coming uh, and good to see that the Home Assistant team have, you know, really jumped on this as well. 
Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, it, it's funny because, like I said, I feel like we've talked about this all day, every day. There's a few like groups that I'm like just rooms that I'm in where, you know, mm. everybody was like, oh, my God, Incyon's dying. Uh, yep. We talked, we spent an entire episode on Alton Smart Home. Um, I actually jumped on the Home On podcast, so check that out too, uh, to talk about exactly this and how, how what Home Assistant's doing and, and how people can kind of utilize that. And, you know, it's, it's, this, this is a big one, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's as big as, if not bigger than Logitech and, and so on and so forth. The, absolutely, you know, the, the, the Logitech one really, really irks me, but, um, you know, that's a, you know, couple hundred dollars as opposed to thousands of dollars worth of investment into this. So I think, yep. you know, this one I think was an unfortunate situation for, for the company and their staff and so on and so forth. Whereas the Logitech, uh, the Logitech one was just stupid. Um, <laughs> I still stand by that. That one, that one arguably was just bad business practice, but um, I, I listen, I, I get end of lifeing stuff and things like that. I just think it could have been a little better done. Um, especially if they're an SSL certificate, right? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, you know, I, th- I think, I think we've beaten this one down, uh, pretty far. I don't know. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, go check out our, our YouTube video on it if you need any more information. Um, or if you are an Sion user and you're not a home business user and you want some other places to go, we've yeah tried to cover off as best we can over there. Um, I think everyone's, you know, aware of it now but it's just yeah it's just a shame we've had to do it again right yeah yeah it is uh it's unfortunate but i mean at least at least you're well some people might be dead in the water but but a few uh few users won't be right so hopefully yeah. if you are an instagram user hopefully you are one of those users that can leverage home assistant and uh don't don't uh reset your devices yet yeah don't do that do not uh, do that and then, and then once once you get all this working, then you can play around with a little more. That's it. All right, twenty twenty two dot five. So let's get into some of these uh, new features. Yeah, uh, Rohan, I think one of the the big ones people are going to talk about this one is the new configuration menu. Yeah. Um, so I think it was only a couple of releases ago that they really uh, added in the colors to the configuration menu. Yeah. But yeah, here we are again. They've completely redesigned it. Um, things are. In different places now, yes. to say the least. Things just, move around. just when you're getting used to it. No, but yeah, I, I actually like this layout. Um, I I know I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of the uh, fan of changes, mm. right? But uh, I I think you know just once you I think things are laid out a little more logically. I was uh, I was playing with it last night too, and uh, you know I do I do like how things are laid out. And the nice thing is it's a little more intuitive. So for things again if you're used to the old menu you there is going to be a little bit of work to get to, to get to that point to be like okay i can use this again um it's not yep. too bad it's again like i said it's logically laid out and again there's stuff where like again if you're on a supervised version then guess what then you see more options there and it, and it seems more seamless right whereas before mm. you know it, it everything was its own area and its own menu and so on and so forth whereas um even if you look at a lot of the other uh other types of hubs and devices and stuff like that that aren't home assistant uh, you don't really see a specific like hey let's see the hardware version of or yep. hardware statistics yep. of these whatever boxes right so it, it's a little more seamless in those and and i think that's the kind of experience that this is bringing into um so yeah i mean i i it's changed a little bit, but I don't mind it too much. But yeah, I think one of the things that was really threw me off was the YAML config. So yeah, I you know 
definitely use YAML a lot and I went to just check my configuration and I was like, oh, where's the big check configuration button gone, right? It was literally right there, one click away in the settings menu and I, I went through all the settings options, couldn't <laughs> find it. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't until I read it randomly on Discord um, in the beta channel there that they were saying, oh, it's actually moved into the developer tools. So yeah, yeah. if you're a heavy YAML user, yeah, you'll need to enable uh, developer tools and make sure you've got advanced mode set on in your user so you can see those and yeah there's a little yaml uh place there now that's also where you can go and reload all your yaml config too so you want to reload your automations or anything like that um that's all moved into the developer tools now yeah and and again even seeing things like your backups and seeing things like uh you know how much storage you have and things like Mm. that and and you'll notice that some of the menus are a little empty so if you go to like storage you'll see like it's literally like two bars right that's going to be built out soon hopefully um and you know it should it should be a lot more um what's the word i'm trying to look for like like you should you should get you'll get a lot more visibility into your system hopefully uh through through that as as time goes on um so i think right now it's just you know starting out and let's see let's see where it goes right yep agreed all right um on from there so ZHA, so you can now configure power on states for supported devices. So if you have stuff like, you know, Philips Hue and so on and so forth, when power is restored, you can tell the device how to operate. So for example, if you lose power, power comes back on. Do you want the light to turn on? Maybe mm. not. Maybe you want the light to stay off, so on and so forth. So you can you can start to define a lot of that in Home Assistant too, which is... Uh, pretty nice so you don't that's have to actually yeah really cool yeah because generally like that stuff was restricted to philips Hue. i hope this is opened up to i mean that's how i read it in the release notes so i hope this is finally opened that stuff up because yeah i know that's one of the the sticking points people have against you know smart bulbs right is oh when the power comes back on you know after a blackout your lights are always on but yeah philips Hue have addressed mm-hmm. this for i think it was a couple of years ago now they introduced that feature in a, yeah. a firmware update to their bulbs so yeah, yeah finally good to see that Home Assistant can just do it uh, from within the UI. Yeah, which is nice. So you don't you don't have to deal with it. Open multiple apps, things like that. Again, a lot of people I know just delete. I, I'm one of those people too. I just, just kind of delete <laughs> like the apps that you know for devices that I have that I don't necessarily need to get yeah. into. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Uh, there is a new Quick Bar icon, which is primarily being added for tablet users, but it does uh, exist on all uh, interfaces or all screen sizes, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when you load up your dashboard now, not your Lovelace page, but your just your Home Assistant UI dashboard, you'll notice a new magnifying glass in the top right-hand corner. So that will uh, allow you to access the Entity Quick Bar, uh, which you would usually get by pressing the E key on your keyboard if you're used to that. Um, the other option you can press is C on your keyboard to open up uh, the command Quick Bar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is introduced. It's there. I'm personally not a fan of it. I don't, yeah, I, for, for whatever reason, I just, I'd like the ability to remove it. Um, I voiced that. Hopefully that comes in a future release, the option to hide that away. It may be, you know, maybe from beta it, it comes out in, in the actual release. But, yeah, for me, I just, yeah, don't like that button being forced on me, uh, taking up my screen real estate. But some people may have a, a use case for it. You know, it's it's funny. I last night, so I we updated everything and and you know to the latest beta and so on. And then mm. uh, I guess for whatever reason, my my Conby stick didn't pick up, so I just had to do a re- research container. And uh, 
I was lying in bed and, you know, did the whole goodnight thing. And then a bunch of stuff turned off. All my Wi-Fi stuff turned off and none of my Zigbee stuff turned off. And I was like, what's going on? So I look and, you know, all, all my Zigbee like switches and stuff are all black, uh, grayed out. So I was Unavailable. like, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. I know what this is. And I was like, oh, I wish I had the command bar. And I was like, wait. <laughs> And because we, we had just discovered this yesterday. Just updated, yeah. So, so I hit the magnifying glass and, and uh, you know, restarted my uh, restarted my uh, home assistant instance through through there. And I was like, OK, cool. That's uh, so. So, I mean, just mostly because I'm too lazy to go through menu, menu, menu to mm. go find the shutdown and restart again through all of these versions. I, I still every time I'm like, ah, oh, is it in here? Is it in there? Whatever. I, 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 I love the uh, quick bar. Even even on uh, laptop, like I always hit C mm. and like sh- stop or restart or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so now I love the fact that I was in bed and the automation wasn't working, and I needed to re uh, I needed to restart uh, Home Assistant, and I did it from my phone, right? Which is nice. Well, that's yeah, that's interesting because I one of the things I noticed part of that new configuration menu is that I I'm running you know Home Assistant in a Docker container, and I can't find the old stop or restart server button anymore. Um, I don't know if it's just hidden somewhere, uh, but I've just noticed, yeah, you're right, in the command bar, you can, you know, type in the stop server, restart server button. So Yeah, so the stop server was removed a while ago. Um, I don't remember what For release. Docker containers, yeah. For Docker containers. Yeah, it didn't make sense. I think they just renamed it to restart, right? Well, so um, there used to be a stop and a restart, right? Mm. So um, And restart never worked in Docker because re- you can't restart. Well, Docker, re- right? restart, exactly, right? Whereas stop actually kills the container and in, in your in your if you have a Docker compose file, um, mm. in your compose file, if you say... Uh, always restart. All, like, yeah, restart, uh, always whatever then it'll uh, it'll actually kill the container and bring it right back up. So that's yep. actually one of the things that we lost. So, um, you know, when we when we talked about it to uh, to Frank, you know, we were we were chatting about that and, and, and he laughed. He's like, yeah, that was one of those things that uh, that that we did remove. And, and apparently I'm, a, I'm I'm one of the very few people <laughs> that uses that method. So, um, well, you know, I think it's a valid reason. That's the whole reason that I originally created HADOCOMON was because I needed a way to. Uh, stop my Home Assistant instance, you know, from within Home Assistant because I, yeah. you know, would push up a YAML update. Was before YAML reloading was really around for everything, yeah. um, and the, I was always pressing the restart button and it didn't work. Right, as I didn't realize I could just press the stop button and it would work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think there is use cases for stopping the Home Assistant container for whatever reason from within Home Assistant. You know, maybe you want to automatically uh, kill the Home Assistant container at three AM and you just want to do it by an automation. Yeah, um, you so can still think, do that, right? It's just, I think just the physical button is gone for the yes. stop. So you can still hit yep. the command palette and hit, uh, you know, say stop server or yep. whatever it's called. And and that'll still work, right? The And, and yep. the restart button is there. It's just in the in the top. So if you, like, if you go into the, with, with the new uh, menu, if you click on system, mm. it's actually on the top right there. So um, that that does exist. It's just, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that is uh, uh, moved a little bit. Uh, uh, Wow, yeah, it is up there. You're right. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm not used to the yeah things. Maybe it's just sometimes I because I don't use the UI editor that much. There'll be like a random disk icon or a plus yeah, icon yeah, in the yeah, corner yeah. somewhere that I'm not used to. Yeah, you're right. The restart button is hiding up there. For me, I would have yeah assumed it would be an option in the in somewhere here as a main menu item. But fair enough, I guess you know it's something you don't want to accidentally press with a 
fat finger thumb while you're 11 p.m. scrolling through yeah. the menu, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, and I'm just looking at it on my on my cell phone as well, and and it's it's actually it, it looks pretty uh, pretty good there too. So, yeah, okay, all right. Well, now I know where it is. That's good. So yeah, yeah. Solve that problem. There, there we go. go. Cool. Live on the air. <laughs> um. All right. The gauge card. So if you use the gauge card, um, which is essentially that like kind of speedometer type of card, mm. you'll know it's red, yellow, green, and it's only those colors in that exact order, right? So uh, that's actually changed a little bit where they've updated it so that you can now start having different segments with different colors. So if you want to have like turquoise or something like that, great, you can, you know, you color away to your heart's content. Uh, so yeah, so and then you can actually have... Um, multiple segments so you can have like red yellow green yellow red right so if if there's a something like you know sort of like a fire extinguisher right where it's like hey it's yeah. it's great right in the middle too low is too much uh, is bad and too high is too bad too right so you want it exactly at 12 o'clock kind of thing so you can now uh you can now uh, customize the gauge card to to use those segments there i think if you've used grafana um you'll definitely see some similarities there yeah as totally. soon as i saw the the example i was like oh i've seen that before yeah 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 all right now we're going to get into the exciting stuff and this all the next stuff that's coming along uh in our show notes here i think is making this one of my favorite releases in home assistant for quite some time yeah um, there is some great stuff here there's it's a all ton, based ton of love for yaml too right? yeah it's, exactly that's what i was about to say like it's all yaml so yeah anyone that's saying that hey home assistant's moving away from yaml and go more with ui the love for yaml in this release is absolutely amazing so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start off with the first one here. It's if and else blocks for YAML. Um, so it's now finally support for an if and else conditions in YAML. Uh, there is no else if, it is, you know, if, else. Uh, you could essentially, and I've been doing this for some time, do an if, else uh, with a choose statement, you know. Um, yeah. You can also do a, an if, else, and else if with a choose block. It just, you know, takes a bit of, you know, making sure you get all the conditions in the right order. But yeah, yeah. Uh, just an if-else block, making it a little bit simpler. Um, you know, if this condition is true, then perform this action, else do this. Uh, great to see this in here. Yeah, and and I think I think the, el- the else-if part is literally the, the, the point of choose. So, yeah. which is, you know, so to me that makes sense. So this is, a, it's a nice, uh, easy way to do things like this. So you can just do, you know, if-else, that's it, right? Like it's, yep. if something happens, then this, go for it, right? And... Uh, yeah, so I, I I actually like the that uh, premise there because again, otherwise for simple simple kind of uh, pieces you want to do there, it, it starts to get I don't know starts to get like too complicated to just do one quick and easy thing. Yep. So and and if else is also very easy to understand logically too, right? If blah blah blah, then do this. Like it, it's simple, so I like that. Um, continue on error. So if you've ever built an automation or a script that doesn't finish executing because something errored out or, you know, for whatever reason like that, uh, you can actually now tell your automations and script to say, hey, keep processing when there's an error that happens. So it's just a little, uh, what's the word for it? Like it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's part of your your automation where you can just put in on error, yes, or something like that. So Yeah, it's like a yeah, condition that you just put, yep. Or continue, continue on, on error, error, I think, is what it is, yeah. Same way you put, like, you know, what mode um, the yeah. script needs to run in. So, yeah, yeah. You know, mode parallel, you can now do your continue on error, yes, and it'll ignore all the errors, which is pretty good. Exactly. 
Um, what else have we got? Ability to stop a script and automation mid-flight. So um, there's now a stop button. Uh, previously, I think uh, in a script sort of land, you were, when a script was running, it, the state would turn to on and you could then flick the script off. Yeah. Uh, to, if it was stopping, you know, you've got like a delay or it's waiting for something in there. Uh, but now there is a, is a stop button in the UI. You can do that. So, yeah, you can kill the execution of the script uh, while it's running, which is very cool. Yeah, I think that's a little more intuitive too, right? Rather than just you know, yeah, going in and being like, like, all right, let me time this. Let me try and click that there and whatever. So yeah. I think that's uh, that's nice there. Parallel actions. All right. So this is, uh, we're actually getting into some really interesting things here. So again, this is a little more of an advanced feature because there are a ton of caveats there, right? Um, so you can actually have Home Assistant make multiple service calls to multiple things at the exact same time. So it's nice because you don't need to wait for an action uh, to finish before the next one happens. But again, there's there's a bunch of caveats and, and read the notes. But in summary, there's simple things like, hey, we don't actually know which action is going to run first. It's not uh, or, or if there's going to be one specific one that runs just a bit quicker or something like that. So, you know, there, there's no way of, of queuing that that way. So, you know, again, for a nice thing might be if you have like a good night routine and you can say, okay, well, you know what, I want to turn all of these light switches off at once. But at the same time, if you're waiting for something to finish, that's not a good idea that you want something sequenced at that point. Right. So, Again, this is one of those things that really needs to be thought out first before before mm. using and uh, and you know think it through, right? So I think that's the piece here. But it is uh, it is cool to see that they they're uh, bringing this functionality in, and uh, again, a little more of an advanced feature, but it's still uh, still nice to see for especially uh, a lot of the advanced users as well. Yeah, like I have always thought, you know, uh, it would be cause when you're writing at your automations or your scripts sequentially, right? Like yeah. you've got to think, okay, I want this to happen first, that to happen there. Um, even when you've got, you know, like one light is Philips Hue light, another light is um, a light from, you know, like my light or LifeX or something. Uh, you might have them, you might call the light turn off service, but it's still going to, you know, go out and fire each one after the other, right? First yeah. it'll turn off the Philips Hue, then it will turn off the my light, then it will turn off the LifeX. But now with this parallel action, Home Assistant can then, you know, send that turn off command to all those different lights mm-hmm. at the exact same moment. So this is very cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it, though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. There is also a new match any for state conditions. So this is a quicker way for you to define multiple entities 
that could be in a condition. So uh, the best way if you say uh, one of your conditions is I need the motion sensor in the bedroom or the motion sensor in the hallway to be on. Previously in YAML, uh, your condition block, you'd have to use an all condition block and then specify you know, the states for both of those sensors. Now you can combine them into a single you know, condition block of a you know, state uh, on for those motion sensors and you will now have a match any of yes or true. I believe it's true. Um, and then that saves you much more lines in YAML. So that's going to be very useful, I think. Yeah. There's also new triggers um, for not from and not to. So um, when you're building out your automations, um, you can now start triggering um, things on a negative state. So for example, um, trigger this automation when a motion sensor doesn't detect some motion or, you know, something like that, right? Or you want to say, hey, you know what, uh, trigger it when it's not, when my uh, device state is not unavailable and not um, unknown, for example, right? So, so whatever that might mean, but uh, I think there's actually some good, uh, good value in that one too. Yeah, definitely. And there's also the ability to disable um, trigger and condition blocks. So yeah, if you uh, need to do some testing in your YAML code, let's say you've got a condition that your automation shouldn't fire when the sun is, you know, set or not set, mm -hmm. um, but you need to test out that automation, you can then disable that specific condition block. You can also go ahead and disable a specific trigger as well. So you could say, all right, uh, for the next, you know, 30 minutes, I'm going to need to do some testing on this automation. I don't want the automation to be triggered on this time pattern or on this particular trigger as well. So this, this is nice too, especially in the UI, like in, 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 in YAML, you can kind of just comment out whatever and say, exactly. Hey, yes. Just, just keep it out. But, uh, you, you can, it still works in YAML. There is, there is still just an option to say, Hey, disable true or something like that. But, mm. uh, but in the UI as well, this has been brought in as well, which is even nicer because in the UI, you basically had to delete it. That's and right. then yeah. and then recreate it right where you know there's you could possibly fat finger something you could possibly you, you know what whatever that is right so just, or you just forgot what it was originally and then you unless you yeah. get a restore from a snapshot it gets all messy right yeah and then you start it starts excluding like the oh let me screenshot this so that you know yeah. i have my exact actions and stuff like that right so it's just a little cleaner um and you know just specific triggers and things like that you can do it on a one-by-one -one basis so which is nice I think um, another update that came is coming into the UI as well is that the UI can now select multiple entities yeah. for a trigger. So that's something you've been able to do in YAML for quite some time. You just provide a list of entity IDs. So, for example, using the motion sensor um, example again, you know, you could have you know when a, any of these motion sensors uh, detect motion, then trigger this automation. Uh, you can now do that from the UI as well. Yeah. And uh, from a calendar perspective, there's a new calendar trigger. So you can uh, trigger when a calendar event starts. So uh, before it would, you'd have to say, hey, when the state of the calendar goes to on, whatever, whatever, whatever. And now you can just say, hey, when it starts, just go, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, is, uh, which is nice. And, you know, it sounds like there's, there's a bunch of work uh, being done in the next, I don't know, in this release and maybe the next couple of releases maybe in the in the back end of the calendar logic too, so which is uh, really nice. Mm, that's cool. All right. Um, onto something that you probably won't see uh, as a new feature, but I definitely think you'll feel is more database optimizations. And I've always, um, always a fan to see these coming along. So if you have a lot of sensors generating statistics, um, you know, as it's compiling the statistics, it will now take 30 to 100 times less time. That's always uh, a good thing to see. Um, the number of database queries needed for most sensors um, is about 99% less 
Um, so massive yeah, improvement there. That's huge. And um, there's also been additional improvements done to the history APIs just to speed up uh, retrieving data from the database. So I think they've been able to reduce that by about 15 to 35% on average. So always, yeah, good to see it getting a bit more snappier, which just makes the whole system feel faster, right? Yeah. And when you're in a limited resource environment like Raspberry Pi, uh, all that savings helps. Well, it's also also when if you're doing something like using an SD card, which is, again, still not best practice yet, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's nice because it's just, especially when you start uh, releasing or when you start dropping the number of queries you need and stuff like that, um, yep. that starts to save your SD card a little bit. So, you know, it's, uh, it's nice to see those uh, anyways. Again, if, even if you do use an SD card, strongly suggest move off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in case you're still using it for whatever reason, gets a little bit better. So at least it'll take a little longer before your card dies. So that's it. But it will die. So get off of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So scripts. Um, so now scripts get a unique ID. So that means you can start to edit their names, their icons and, and you know, assign them to areas, do all of that stuff right from the UI. Um, again, this isn't necessarily a big change for, you know, you to deal with, but this is just uh, something good to know as well. So that now you can start, you know, moving things around and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to get, uh, stuck where you're like, okay, I got to change the name, meaning I got to recreate the script or rebuild all of the things that tie to the script and so on and so forth. So you can just, uh, in the back end, it's all dealing with the ID. So Yeah, it's good that this is actually um, also done for YAML uh, scripts yeah. as well. Because, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like, in YAML, you don't really, you can give it like a name or an alias or the ID of it. Um, so it must use whatever naming convention you've got there. Um, to then somehow assign it a unique ID, which is pretty yeah. cool. All right, ZWaveJS server discovery is now here. So if you run a ZWaveJS server manually, for example, a Docker container, it will now be automatically discovered by Home Assistant on your network. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, backup services. This one's big. Um, so if you use Docker, like myself, um, they can. They've now added the backup.create service, so that uh, you can start. Run, you can basically just run the backup uh, on a automation. And, and again, it's not specific to Docker users or anything like that. You can, you can do this just in yeah. general. So if you're unsupervised, it'll, it can run it on the supervisor and whatever. Here you can, uh, for, for me specifically, I, I'll, I'll definitely plan to leverage this to just have an automation basically like, you know, whatever, once a day or once a mm. week or something like that. Just go through and just automatically just back up my, uh, my home assistant instance, which is fantastic and and as of the last release remember it's it's the whole instance too so which is nice yeah and available for everyone yes yeah, so yeah users yeah um sonos favorite sensor is now available so uh if you're like me you have a sonos system there's now a new favorite sensor um so you can use that to access and use your favorites in automations scripts and templates so that's a good little feature to have there you go that's a that's a ton of just home assistant love that uh that's been uh given so yeah, totally you know, right? shout out to the to the development team and and folks like frank and you know everybody else that, that kind of gives uh works on this yep. so you know it's huge all right so let's talk about some new integration um <laughs> meter which is the it's a smart meat thermometer um <laughs> <laughs> built from aption labs uh so that is now integrated in so i don't know you can have your lights blink when your meat hits a certain temperature i guess that's cool yeah so i uh, once again home assistant is my shopping list right 
uh, as soon as I saw this in the release notes, I was like, oh, yeah, I need one. <laughs> I need one. Yeah, right. Like I've got a like a, a Weber old like it must use like a one of those RF protocols to submit like the the wireless probe, right? Um, it's not Bluetooth, but it's you know one of those like you know, four hundred thirty three megahertz ones or something like that. Uh, and I haven't been bothered to, to hack it. I'm like, oh, it seems too much effort. Yeah. But then, yeah, I saw this in the release notes. I was like, oh, okay, maybe that, that'd be cool. Until I saw the price tag of these things. Uh, and I think one of them was like 200 Australian dollars, which is like oh. similar Canadian price. So it's probably, what, like 150 US for yeah. one thermometer. And then I saw that, you know, um, the device clerk or the... Yeah, I think it's device class in Home Assistant is cloud polling. So that means similar to Insion, if Meter decides that their expensive thermometers aren't making them enough money one day and they decide to shut down the API, then there goes the Home Assistant integration. So back to the yeah. drawing board on that. I know there's a few options out there, but yeah. It'd be cool to see this if they can... Uh, it might be interesting if instead of that, they can run it through um like running run it through like an esp or something like that where it can pick up on the on the oh i'm sure there is someone out there that has made like an esp project out of this right because it's should be pretty simple to do once you get a, a probe you chuck it yeah. to an esp device and then away you go i'm sure i think yeah. i've seen some projects that have also tried to backport you know those wireless ones that i've got like the weber one they've tried to yeah. sniff those with a an rf sniffer so i'm sure there's someone that's done that yeah, easily. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. New All product, right. but yeah, very specific. <laughs> yeah. All right, the Sends integration. So uh, the Envent Raychem Sends, uh, which allows you to control and monitor uh, your Wi-Fi thermostats. So once again, another cloud polling device. So uh, not my cup of tea, but you know, if you've already got one of those thermostats installed, uh, it's now can be integrated into Home Assistant. Yeah. Uh, Slim Proto. So, um, if you use Squeezebox music player, so, uh, essentially that Slim Proto basically allows you to use, uh, that music player or the, sorry, the Squeezebox music player directly from home assistant. So you don't need to have like a Logitech media server or something like that. Um, and it lets you, uh, control some of the hardware, like the classic transporter, duet, boom, uh, radio and touch. And uh, a bunch of software players as well, Squeeze Lite, PyCore Player, Max2Play, so on and so forth. But uh, it's it's funny because, again, if if you really like DIYing it, there's even a player for ESP32. Nice. Uh, that's kind of cool, actually. I, 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 part of me wants to play with that. So I think it's really neat. Add it to uh, your list? Yeah, list of stuff that I'm not going to do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ongoing list of things where up here in my head I want to do them, but... <laughs> It's it's funny. It's actually uh, become a thing. I think um, uh, the other day in the podcast room, um, I think CDM boy had a, a message. He's like, "Oh, uh, is Rohan going to need a sprinkler system in before we give him more projects?" So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. We're, we've now that it's uh, started thawing up again and started to get a little warm, we're we're considering doing it again. But uh, let's see. Let's see. Right, I like it. All right, uh, let me try and pronounce this. The Traffic Verkerte, yeah, something like that. There you go. That's my Swedish for the day. Uh, ferry departures are now integrated into Home Assistant. There you go. All right, some breaking changes. Um, ZWebJS needs a version bump. So if you use the uh, ZWebJS add-on, um, you need to have at least 0.1.56. 
if you use uh, the ZWebJS to MQTT, you need to have at least 0.38.0. And then if you use that in a Docker container, so the first one, sorry, that I just said was uh, the add-on. If you use a Docker container, you need to have at least 6.7.0. And if you use your own Docker container or do something else, uh, you'll need ZWebJS server at least 1.16.0. That's a lot of numbers I just threw at you. Just check the release notes uh, to see what you need. But basically, you need a version bump. It does surprise me. I don't know. I assume this project is, they're all very similar, right? Like ZWebJS to MQT and ZWebJS add-on. Surely they could all align their version numbers at one point, right? Yeah. Let's go. All right, from version 1.5, everyone's at version 1.5, right? That's right. Think of, I know, obviously, you know, you've got ZWebJS to MQTT. It's probably got a different versions underneath. Yeah. Because there's there's the the MQTT code. There's just, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I get it, but. But even like the the ZWebJS to add on and the Docker container should pretty be like very similar aligned, right? Like you've got what is it yeah. six seven zero for the Docker container and then zero thirty eight zero. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All right, uh, text to speech TTS. Uh, so the TTS base URL option has been deprecated. This one is quite. Uh, very, like I've used the base URL option in my Home Assistant instance since day dot, I think. Yep. So, uh, yeah, if you're an older Home Assistant user or have been a Home Assistant user for a long time, the base URL option uh, has been deprecated. So make sure you go in and just check, uh, yeah, just check your configuration and make sure it's all uh, removed. Yeah, yeah. They brought in the internal and external URLs a while ago, so mm. leverage those yep. instead. Uh, templates. So trigger-based template sensors are now initialized to the last known state. So typically they, they would start off as unknown. Now it starts off as, you know, whatever the last state was, that's what it would be. So that's actually pretty important to note if you do leverage uh, template sensors and your triggers. So there you go. Um, the Actually, on that, the template stuff, I, I think I've had a whole bunch of, you know, when home assistant restarts, you know, do this sort of thing yeah. Um, to trigger those automations. So that's good that I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, recorder. So Home Assistant will now automatically repack your database once a month on the second Sunday of the month. So repacking allows it to shrink the database in file size, uh, which results in smaller backups and also frees up space that has been uh, done by database optimizations made in 2022.4. Uh, it's done on the second Sunday of the month just so they can avoid uh, an upgrade release cycle of Home Assistant. So, uh, you know, Home Assistant releases on the first week of the month. They don't want, you know, to have to do an upgrade. If you're upgrading on that first week, they don't necessarily want, you know, everything happening on the database in that one week. So yeah, yeah. avoids conflicts there. Oh, that is great. And uh, um, there's obviously more breaking changes too, so just be sure to check out the release notes yeah. in case you have something that you're using that is affected. Yeah, and and same with a lot of the stuff we talked about too. Again, this is just a mass compilation that we're doing, but of just yeah. stuff that we thought was really cool and and uh, whatever. And there's a ton this episode, so you know these these releases are just getting more and more and more love as time goes on. So, which is um, fantastic to see. So, uh, so <laughs> my last, uh, my last rant of, uh, about my Kivo got a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, uh, feedback, which, which I uh, honestly genuinely from the bottom of my heart appreciate. So it's actually helped me quite a bit. 
So, you know, I've gotten quite a few different folks that have said, hey, you know, have a look at this one, have a look at these different things. People have reached out on Twitter, on um, email, on Discord, so on and so forth. So I am super, super grateful. Um, and and if I haven't gotten back to you, I think I've gotten back to most, I think just a couple of emails I haven't, uh, I apologize. Just it's been a little insane for me lately. But uh, other than that, um, it this is amazing. So a lot of people seem to also have, you know, a few people did mail in going, hey, you know what, I've, uh, I've had similar kind of issues or just complaints about, uh, about the Kivo lock. And, you know, why don't you try um, a variety of different ones. So I haven't, I haven't settled on one yet. Just again, life got in the way um, last few days. But uh, essentially, there, there's, there's a few that actually look really, really, really cool. There's one um, that's a little bit different as well. That essentially it goes into your, uh, it goes. It's not a smart lock in the sense that you have that giant, uh, like the fat box on the in the back yeah. of your door. Yeah. This, it's actually a uh, it's a it's a BLE based uh, one called uh, Level, and essentially that it, it's. What what is the discreet, mechanism called? Like, yeah, it's discrete. It's it's in your door. Yeah, right. It's it's the it's the actual mechanism that does the turning and and mm. with the, where the bolt is, right? So that that mechanism itself. And, and unfortunately, I'm not a, I'm not a lock person, so I don't know I don't know what that's called. But uh, the that mechanism itself has the smarts built into it. So where it is the turn on turn off or lock unlock kind of thing. Um, yeah. So that is uh, that's really cool. Um, I know there's a couple of conversations on on twitter about that one from uh i think it was HomeKit enabled as well from memory or it was bluetooth, yeah um, it, it's it's bluetooth i don't sorry yeah it is it is home kit as well uh, and i think the home kit part uh just depends on how far you are or it, it th- th- there's a few things that vary in time my yeah. my big thing with kivo was the gateway didn't help at all from from a time perspective or anything like that um, and it was still kind of just generally crap. Um, yep. This is obviously if you use HomeKit or something like that, it has to communicate to the base and the base back to this and so on and so forth. So th- th- there is a bit of time expected there. But uh, at least with the Bluetooth, if I like, you know, tap the door or, or do whatever to trigger the lock, I expect it to actually just open as soon as possible. Right. So, uh, yeah. So so the level uh lock is uh sounds pretty cool it is it is a little pricey but it's pretty cool um there's also the schlage ones that uh that a few people have recommended as well um and good to know that you had options because remember your requirements were that it had to be on that very small part of your door because the glass is so close exactly and and i needed an actual key right it can't Mm. just be uh like there's a bunch uh, who is it that just released it um I want to, it's not Anchor. Um, is it a Quara that just released a lock? Somebody just released a lock. But essentially, uh, it's, it's keypad only, and I think it's fingerprint. So there's no key. key uh, hole. So if the battery yeah. dies, again, because I don't, I don't have a garage door that I can sneak into or something like that. Yep. If, uh, if my battery you don't dies. You carry batteries I'm, in your pocket? Yeah. Well, <laughs> even if I did, the battery's on the other side, so I can't oh, get to you're it. kidding. Right. Um, so, uh, so even, even, and, and most, most things, most locks are like that, right? My Kivo is like that, but even a lot of the locks and stuff like that, where the battery pack is in the back because the front needs to look sleek and, and whatever. Right. So it's just the, 
key part. The Yale one I've got actually has two very discreet battery terminals on the bottom of the keypad. You can't I've even see it. I've heard of this. I've heard of this. And you would just grab, you know, one of those nine volt, you know, re- little rectangle batteries. Uh, once again, you need a battery on you. Um, you just yeah. hold it against the keypad and that will provide enough power uh, to, you know, allow you to open the door for a couple of times, I guess. It's like jumpstarting your car, but for... Exactly, yeah. Keypads. I've never had to use it. I hope I never will, um, but I will probably have to buy a battery and hide it somewhere in the garden. Yeah. Because, yeah, similar to you, I don't want to have... I've got keys, don't have a key sort of the other doors in the house. Actually, I don't have any house keys on me at all. Yeah. I just use the keypad. So, yeah, if I if that thing dies, I don't have access to my house. Yeah, yeah. So that's a... Uh, you know, that's the, I'm, I'm trying to get keyless as well. And I like, we have, we have a, we have a, like our neighbors have a spare key just in case I get locked out or, or even if we're not home and there's an emergency, something like that. Yep. So, but you know, it's just somebody we trust with a key. And I think my parents have a key or something. Maybe their key, actually they have a key for my old lock. So they don't have a key. <laughs> um, there you go. There's something else for you to do list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's whatever. But my neighbors have a worst case. Like I'm not driving all the way to my parents' house, whatever. I'd rather just go across the yeah, street. That's true. So, um, yeah. So, but again, thank you. Thank you to everybody that reached out. Um, I will, I will respond to those emails back. I, I've, I've read them. I just haven't had a chance to properly, you know, uh, reply or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there, there's just so many good ideas here. So I'm, I'm basically where we're at is right now. My, our, um, the actual mechanism for the, the door handle itself is, uh, is also getting messed up. It's, it's like, I don't know, it must be like 10 years old. It was from the previous owners as well. So it's probably right. brand new. So it's like, yep. you know, to, to open the door actually takes, you know, either the back of like the palm of your hand or like, to, to press down on the on the mechanism and so yeah we want to replace a bunch of stuff and probably paint the door i'll probably do do all of it at once so um hopefully when it gets a little bit warmer can you like take the opportunity if you're going to replace the handle can you then look at just getting like a smart handle as well and doing it and putting it all into the one mechanism would that possibly, open up some more options possibly i mean i i I've, I've also thought of getting a new door but oh, a new thank, door is also seems- like well, at this Seems point, but but a new door is like five grand, or right? not maybe not five grand, but like they're yeah, but they're they're at least like two grand. That I'm just yeah. kind of like, oh, that's a lot of money for front a door, door. Right? Like you gotta have a yeah. solid door at the front. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, a, a door's got a giant window in it, right? So it's only as safe as you know somebody with a brick. Yes. Right? Yeah. So. You know, you're just keeping the polite people out, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. If somebody really <laughs> wanted to, they can get in, like, and yeah. and or any of the windows around the house, right? It's not uh, that. That's why I have other security measures, like again, motion detection and you know, cameras yeah. and so on and so forth, right? So the the cameras that can detect delivery people. Or? That's that's right. Th- those ones. Yeah. Those ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah those ones. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, no. But you know, you know, again, it's it's. I think this uh, this summer, hopefully, if I get a little bit of time, I do want to spend some time doing some of these things. Right? It's mm. uh, it's on my constant to do list that's just not <laughs> been done for like five years. So, you know, but uh, I think that's everyone though, right? Like even you see like just random people on Twitter, they go, "Oh, I've done this." You're like, oh, I've "Got to add that to my to do list," and then you'll see like five other comments. Great. Now I'll never get to do this either because I just don't have the time or whatever. So. Yeah, and then and then there's the keeners that are just you know, hey, I did this and this and this, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I wish I could be you, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So 
again, thanks so much, everyone, for for that. And uh, again, I haven't made a decision yet. I'll 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 figure it out as I kind of look more into it. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you go with and you know what the decision process for that for you looks like for that. Right? Like, you're going to go yeah. try and say Bluetooth. You're going to go another protocol. You're going to go HomeKit. You're going to go something else. So yeah, I think I'd be interested to see yeah. how you land on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Personally, I hate Bluetooth, but it's also the most convenient because you don't need to fire up an app. You don't need to do any of that stuff. So, yep, makes sense. We'll see. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think that uh, wraps us up for another episode. Uh, great release. Thank you, everyone that's contributed to this release. Um, yeah, great YAML uh, release as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to testing out all this new stuff. Yeah, perfect. Catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.